Sexual. Welcome to the Unsettling Your Language podcast, the Cree language podcast that may or may not contain any actual Cree. Dan sini tu tempik. Chelsea vaun ni cikas sani gua mantu sakai gini ni totin. Maga ni wigin uta mantrala kanuts. Saya pakai pesima wami kuats. Ego siani gua niya. So, uh, welcome. My name is Chelsea Val. I'm from Lac Saint Anne, Alberta. Currently living in Montreal. It is now May, uh, which we call this month the budding moon, which is very, very much what it looks like outside. And of course, I am sick because this is the season where I begin to get sick. So if you hear some congestion in my voice, that's what's going on. I'm going to have to stop and drink some water and, and whatnot. But I didn't want to delay putting down a third episode because I'd like to continue this, whatever this is. So uh, I like to keep this, you know, these episodes down to about 20 minutes. So I'm just going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about, um, you know, what kind of demands should we be making in terms of institutional and financial support for our languages? Okay. I want to talk about the sounds of Cree. And then I'm going to talk about uh, personal pronouns in Cree. Okay. So that's kind of an outline for, for what's going down. All right. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about what kind of institutional uh, support we should be looking for. All right. And I don't want to be realistic. Okay. Those are scare quotes going on. I don't want to be realistic because the fact of the matter is, is that our languages don't exist anywhere else. This is the homeland of all of our indigenous languages. There is nowhere else. And so when we talk about protection of language, when we talk about, um, you know, looking for support for our languages, this is it. You know, we can't go anywhere else and get it. So we need to be asking for, in my opinion, the whole shebang. All right. And that's not unrealistic. It's not unrealistic because frankly, that is our right as indigenous peoples who predate, uh, you know, the, the, the colonial, uh, structures and cultures that came here. All right. The fact of the matter is in Canada right now, there are two official languages, right? English and French, two colonial languages. They have complete institutional and financial support. They have constitutional support as minority languages. All right. So if you're outside of Quebec and you are uh, a Francophone community in a sea of Anglophones, you have constitutional protection to have uh, education delivered in your language, to have services delivered in your language, all of that. You can go to court in your language, etc. And the same is true of Anglophone communities in Quebec or in other, you know, in other areas that are surrounded by Francophones, because Quebec is not the only place where, where French is spoken, you know, widespread. All right. That's great. Why can't we also then do that for indigenous languages? Well, the answer is always money and willpower, right? Um, there's no will on the governmental level for this. Absolutely. And because there are so many different indigenous languages in Canada and so many different dialects within those languages, we're often told that it's, it's unrealistic financially to believe that we can provide the same level of support constitutionally, institutionally, as there is for French and English. And I call bullshit. All right. Yes, it would be expensive. Yes, it would be difficult. But you know what? There has been no effort to actually do this, right? This is giving up before you even try. So I, I, 
I think we need to try. And I think we need to ask for that. And I need, I think we need to shoot for that. Our languages are just as, if not more, and I'm going to say more, important than French and English. Okay, French and English exist out there in the world. They're not in any danger. But our language is our. So I wanted to look at things that are being done. All right, I'm going to use Nunavut as an example. And Nunavut is a bit of an odd example because while there are a number of different dialects of Inuktitut being used in Nunavut, it's, it's all the same language, right? So this is not the same situation that you're going to find everywhere. But Nunavut also has a fairly small population, right? We're talking about huge geographic landscape, but small population overall, all right? So perhaps it's comparable, okay? Now, Nunavut has an Official Languages Act that um, was brought in, I think, I think it came into force fairly recently, maybe like two years ago, um, but it was, it was written in 2008. And this made um an official language. Okay, so that's great. That's a good first step. Okay, but it doesn't mean anything yet. Okay, Northwest Territories also has official languages acts that include all of the indigenous languages that are spoken in, in the Northwest, Northwest Territories. Okay, but having an official languages act at a territorial provincial level, it's not quite enough. It's, it's basically like a um, aspirational document, right? That you're going you're gonna to make it important. But what else Nunavut has done is it also uh, has an Inuit Language Protection Act all right, parts of which came into effect in 2008. And there's there's other uh, provisions in that act that are going to come rolling out. So I wanted to look at that because I think that act is particularly interesting. When it came into, into effect in 2008, it guaranteed education from kindergarten to grade three in the Inuit language, Inunutitut. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that Inuit have to do that. They don't have to choose Inuitut as the primary language of instruction. Okay. They're still available. They can still have English or French. Okay. But it made it available by 2011. Um, this, and I, and I haven't checked to make sure that compliance is, is, is complete on all of this, but in the act, it said by 2011, Inuit would be able to work for the government of Nunavut in their own language. Okay, so that's a big thing. Employment in your own language, all right? By 2012, municipalities were supposed to, uh, you know, they were required to offer services in Inutututut, okay? So you dial, you call into your mayor's office or whatever, uh, you should be able to speak to somebody in Inutututut, you should have all of the options in Inutututut. By 2019, all school grades are supposed to be available in Inutututut. Okay, from K to 12, all the way across the board, all right? Because you cannot just, you can't, you can't say we're going to do this uh, and, and, and in one year have it happen. Curriculum development has to happen. You have to find the people to train um, in the language. You have to hire the teachers and all of it. This, yes, it takes time, okay? But by 2019, they're saying that they want to have K to 12 available in Inuktitut. Um, there's also uh, an obligation for public and private sector to offer essential services in the language, Okay, so this is a comprehensive act. And the thing is, is that this act requires a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of training, and a lot of buy-in, right? So this is a, this is a multi-year program that Nunavut is setting up to protect the Inuktitut language to make sure that it's being taught, that it's being provided, all right? And I don't think that this, this act is unrealistic. I don't think it's unreasonable. And I absolutely believe that this sort of approach can be taken across the board in Canada. How? Well, I think you need to go territory by territory. 
if you're in Mohawk territory, all right, for wherever there's a there's a substantial population of Mohawk, all right, that where it's it's traditional territory for the Mohawk, that's the language that gets protected there. That's the language that people should be able to work in. That's the language that should be offered K to 12. That's the language that people should be able to go to court and and speak. That they should be able to get government services in that language. Okay, flip over, uh, you know, over up into uh, James Bay Cree territory. Ditto. Okay, and the James Bay Cree are doing a lot of that development themselves, right? They've decided to publish a lot of things in in the Cree language, and a lot of services are provided. Granted, James Bay Cree here tend to be uh, have left you know higher levels of fluency than other communities um, in Canada, but still, you know. So if if we're looking at a place like uh, like Edmonton, Edmonton's a little tricky. All right, because this is not just Cree territory. You've got Métis populations. You've got Stony populations. You got all these Dene coming down. Okay, Alberta has lots of different languages, Indigenous languages, right? So make them all official, and make the commitment that every single one of them is going to be represented. Okay. Now I know when I I make this argument, people are like slapping their heads and going, "We just can't afford it," and you know that's yeah, that's crazy. You can't have everything in every language, and and this and that, and. I, I got to say, yeah, we can, we really can, but it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take commitment and it's going to take Canadians actually valuing those indigenous languages and participating in the learning of them. Okay. That's, that's the other big thing right now. We are very, very stretched when it comes to resources, when it comes to teachers, when it comes to opportunities to learning and teaching our languages. But if we make a massive, massive commitment to Indigenous languages in this country that includes bringing uh, non-Indigenous Canadians into the learning, then, I, you know, buy-in, whole buy-in. Let's all do it, okay? Whatever territory you're in, that's the language that you have the option to, to, to start learning, okay? And again, maybe people aren't going to take that opportunity. Not everybody has to. Right, just like not everybody has to learn both French and English in Canada, but the opportunities absolutely should be there. All right, so that's that's my opinion on that. Okay, so let's go into the sounds of Cree. Uh, cool thing about Cree is it's Cree. Um, okay, no, sorry, uh, that's true, but I should I should go into more detail. All right, so there has been a push to uh, to standardize written Cree. Not everybody likes this. I'm, I'm not going to get into the debate about it. Um, some people are really against standardization. Some people are really for whatever. It's it's for me. It's been kind of a useful tool um, because when people are trying to uh, to write in Cree, especially on social media and stuff like that, it's nice when everybody uses the same sort of. Um, you know, the, the same sort of spelling standards and not everybody does. And you have to like, you, you know, pronounce it out and, and, and figure out what people are saying. And that's okay too. I don't think anybody should be forced to use any sort of standardization, but in the standard, uh, alphabet, there's only 17 letters in Cree and Cree is one of these languages, which thank God, I like, honestly, I I'm so glad that I, one of my traditional languages is not one of these like West Coast languages that is just full of glottal stops and sounds that I cannot physically make with my mouth. Um, <laughs> because as cool as those languages are, as beautiful as they are, as, as you know, like totally valuable as those languages are, I'm not sure I have it in me to, to do that. So Cree is a lot simpler. Um, it's not that there's only 17 sounds. Okay. Uh, so what, uh, here's, here's the basic alphabet. Okay. You've got short vowels and you've got long vowels and you've got a few consonants. So I'm, I'm just going to go through the sounds. All right. So you start off with a. Uh, okay. So when you're writing it, this is an A. 
Okay, A sounds like ah, uh, okay? And then ah, uh, which is a long A. And when you mark long A's in Cree, you can do it with a macron, which is just a flat line over it, or you can do it with the circumflex, which is like the little hat, okay? Um, now, that's in the standard alphabet. Now, if you can't access those symbols for whatever reason, some people like to double the vowel to make it a long vowel. And for some people, that makes their eyes bleed. But, you know, whatever. And the kind of cool thing about doubling the vowel is all of a sudden you're spelling in Anishinaabe. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we like to bug the Anishinaabe because they, they do a lot of some of their dialects. They use a lot of double vowels. So their, their words are super, super long. So if you want to kind of like rock an Anishinaabe flair there, just put in those double vowels so if you put in a double a uh people reading it would know that you mean ah okay that long a so you got uh ah okay those are a short short a and long a then you have the consonant uh tse or ch okay so it's a c and depending on the dialect you will hear it either as tse or ch okay so um from where I'm from, uh, Musquatchus, uh, they use the ch, but in other areas, like kind of around there, they use the ts. So it goes back and forth. Doesn't really matter. It's it's a very you know similar sound when you're when you're speaking uh, quickly. So do what you want. All right. All right. Next vowel is uh, a. So this is actually an e. Okay. With a and and e's are always long because there's no short e. So you have an e with with a little hat on it. Okay. So that that's pronounced a. You got. You got the H, you got I, that's an I, short, short of I. You got E, which is a long I, okay, K, okay, and that's a K. Well, I'll get back to that in a second. M, M, N, N, O, that's an O, short O. U, which is a long O, P, which is P, S, S T, T, W, W, and y, y. Okay, so 17 letters. Uh, ah, tz, a, e, e, g, m, n, uh, o, p, s, t, w, y. Okay, that's the, that's the Cree alphabet. Now, there's some, uh, some of these, some of these sounds that you're hearing are, um, they're they're unaspirated, so they kind of sound like a blend of of sounds. So, for example, the K, right, often ends up sounding like a G. Okay, so you have like a kigwai, okay, uh, like uh, you know, it basically means like uh, stuff. Okay, kigwai, muniao kigwai, uh, white people stuff. Okay, it starts with a K sound, kigwai, and then it's got that G sound, kigwai. So you will hear the K sounding like a K, and sometimes you'll hear it sounding more like a G. But when in the standardized spelling, you never spell it with a G. It's always with a K. And you just know, depending on the word or where it is in the word, that sometimes it sounds like a G. Another one like that is the P, right? It's not like P. It's more like B. It kind of sounds like a B, all right? Bimatsuin. Um, Okay, which is uh, life, like meal bimatsuin. So it sounds kind of like a, it's in between P and a B, right? The other one like that is T, which sounds like D. So it sounds kind of like a D, dapwe. You know, like uh, when you're like, yeah, dapwe, dapwe. You know, yeah, that's true, right, right on. It can, sometimes you'll hear it uh, like pimatsuin. Okay, you hear that, that T sound, but dapwe sounds more like a D. Okay, but the thing is, is that you just you use the K, you use the P, and you use the T. You don't you don't rock the G's, the B's, and the D's. Okay, you can though 
totally fine if you hear the word and you're like, ah, oh, that, that was a G sound there. I'm going to write it as a G. Nobody's going to come jumping out being like the Cree Inquisition going, you can't do that. Put the Ks back in there. So I, I just wanted to let you know, in, in the standardized written Cree, you got 17 letters, you got the long vowels, the short vowels, and you got a few consonants. All right. Um, but you know, whatever, spell it however you want, really. Okay. So uh, going on to because we're 16 minutes already. Man, this goes fast, eh? Okay, so let's get into Cree pronouns. Um, so just in case you you know, you know don't study language or whatever, um, pronouns are the words like I, you, he, she, them, us, etc. Okay? So Cree's got them as well. But Cree has some different ones in, in English. And I, I wanted to explore that because it's really neat. Now, before I do that, before I give you these words, I want to tell you that they're actually kind of useless. Uh, you don't use them that much in Cree compared to English. Um, if there's any Spanish speakers out there, you'll be more familiar with what I'm going to say. Basically, the verbal structures, the conjugations of, of Cree verbs um, are embedded with who is doing the action. Okay, So you don't need to use the personal pronoun. In English, you say, I eat right? In, in Cree, you don't need to say that. You don't, you don't need to say I and then eat because the verb itself for me eating is, is one word. Okay. Me is already, it's attached to the verb in the conjugation. We'll, we'll get into that. Right. But, but these are still cool, uh, pronouns to have. So let's just get started. So first person pronoun, me, nia, right? Uh, second person pronoun, kia, that's you. Nia, kia. Uh, now, this is the part that I like about Cree. Third person singular, we are. That's it. There's just one pronoun for third person singular. That It doesn't mean he and it doesn't mean she. There's no gender to it. It's just a person who isn't you or a person who isn't me. Okay, that person, the third person over there. So there are already gender neutral pronouns in Cree. And there's all sorts of ways of talking about people that never bring up gender. Uh, in Cree, which I think is really, really cool, um, particularly for uh, two-spirit trans people who want to, like, you know, who are looking for pronouns in their own language, right? And Cree's not the only one that does this. So, okay, again, Nia, me, Kia, you, we are, he or she, that person, because it doesn't really mean he or she. We just translate it that way because that's what makes sense in English, right? All right, then you have Nia Nan, and kianao. So I, I give you two of them all at once because those two pronouns, nianan and kianao, mean us. So why are there two pronouns for us? This is another cool thing about Cree. All right, nianan is us, not you. Okay, so it, it can it can sound mean sometimes. This is no, this is this is us. You're not included in this, but it's a great way for talking about like uh, if you're in a group of people and you're like, oh, you know, um, we we just we just got here. Uh, you're obviously not talking about like all of us, like every single person that's hearing you. No, nianan, like us, not you. We just got here, and then uh, when you want to say something like, so you know, uh, so what are we doing now? And you want to, you're now including not just the people who have arrived, but the entire group. That's when you say kianao, all of us. So there's two ways of talking about us. The exclusive, where it's just, you know, the group that you're referring to, nianan, and then all of us, kianao. So what I like about that is, is what you'll see later on too, is, is uh, when we talk about possessives, when we say like mine, yours, ours, etc., we have a way to say just ours, you know, just this exclusive group, 
right? Or just the people that we're talking about right here. And we have a way of saying all of ours, of being completely inclusive of everybody that's that's listening. And I really, really love that about Cree. All right. Then we have Kiawao, which is all of you, the plural of you guys. So Kiawao. And then Weawao. So that's, you know, third person plural, them, they. Okay. So let's go through those again. Nia, me. Kia, you. Wea, that other person. Nianan, us, just us, not, not you. Kiano, all of us. Kiawao, you guys, all of you guys. Weawao, all of them. Okay, so those are the pronouns. Now, there's another thing that happens in Cree, which is really cool. And it's, it's basically, there's no, there's no specific pronoun for it, okay? But it's, uh, it's, it's a fourth person. It's often called the obvious. Like when you're studying the language, it's called the obvious. I like fourth person. That makes a bit more sense. So it, it happens when you are talking about a third person. And, and often the example given is John, okay? So John is the third person. And you're talking about somebody, uh, you know, past John. So John's son, John's uncle, John's wife, okay? John is already in the third person. So John's wife or John's son can't also be in the third person. They're in the fourth person, okay? They're, they're a bit removed. And while there's no specific pronoun for that person, uh, there are conjugations for that person. So when you're talking about the actions, when you're talking about who's doing what, there's a specific conjugation for the fourth person, for John's wife brother, husband, dog, whatever, that other person. So it's very clear that we're talking one person beyond the third person. And that's really cool too. All right. So I'm just going to say it again. I'm just going to, I'm not going to tell you what they are again. I'm just going to run through them. Nia, Kia, Wia, Nianan, Kiano, Kiawao, Wiawao. Those are the pronouns in Cree. So you can still use them. They're, they're not, you don't have to use them when you're conjugating verbs and stuff, but I mean, it is great. And, and, and when, when I teach us, we do a lot of pointing and we do a lot of exercise with this cause it's kind of fun, but it's also trying to get you into that mindset of, you know, uh, non-gendered pronouns of the exclusive versus the inclusive we, all right. And, uh, and just, you know, beyond the third person, which is kind of cool. All right. Uh, Mr. Hey for listening to yet another rambling podcast. And I will hit you on the next one. Bye. Can I ask Mithanawal Mr. Hey for listening to the Unsettling Your Language podcast? And remember, Nikitim Dick, Nikhiyo Wick. Can I hear one thing?